Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Believe in Bears podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. What is up, Believers, and what is up, Bear Down Nation? I am Cameron Lee. And I am Joy Christopoulos, and today's Bears Victory sponsor is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. The wait is finally over and football is back. Now, you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on all the action at Bet Online. And tell me, in terms of action, Bears fans, please, you did some live betting during this Bears-Falcons games today. Because from game spread and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there is always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take full advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, BetOnline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Cameron, I had myself a real calm Sunday. Nothing really happened. How was yours? I'm speechless. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to feel. I, you know... The Bears being 3-0, and and I'm thinking, this should be a happy day. This should be a time of rejoice. And I really, I don't know how I feel right now, Joey. You did call in our preview pod that the Bears would win 31-27. to Now, you should be skipping around the room. Now, the manner in which it happened, it didn't really work out probably the way in the script in your head, did it? Man, nothing went according to script today. And, you know, I, I almost predicted the final score exactly and i'm just not even happy about it It, this this was such a weird experience for a bears fan and i'm wondering i'm almost wondering like am i doing this right because like i've mentioned before i wasn't necessarily i don't know that i was always bears fan and i'm wondering if i'm bears fanning right because they're three and oh and i'm just like uneasy bears went 30 to 26 they are now three and oh the falcons are who we thought they were and we're able to cough it up late in the game and get us a victory. So here's what we're going to do today. There are a lot of really big picture things that we want to talk about with the Chicago Bears, but here's what we're going to do. For those of you that didn't watch the game or maybe didn't get a chance to see every single play, we're going to kind of walk you through the game real quick because there is a lot to unpack. Snap by snap, quarter by quarter, half by half, quarterback by quarterback, Cameron. So let's just start off with the first couple drives of the game. Mitch Trubisky is our starter at the time, and in the first quarter, let's be honest, you know, a couple solid drives, they came out doing the true butter and biscuits, right? The rollouts, the quick passes, you know, get him on his spot and get the ball out of his hands. He kind of throws, has an underthrow at one point, and then on a third and five, what does he do, Cameron? The thing that you've been saying for weeks now, he forces the ball to A-Rob for an incomplete pass, and then a 46-yard field goal by Carlos, Cairo Santos goes not in the uprights. He misses the field goal. So Cameron, on a scale of one to 10, at that point in the game, you know, what would be your confidence in Trubisky at that point after, you know, that first drive where you could have gotten points? You know, the first drive there, there definitely was the opportunity to put points on the board, but I wasn't feeling any too negative or pessimistic about it. You know, you want to see him come out and score early and, and especially whenever you get the opportunity to do so. But I mean, we've seen through two weeks already that he's not going to be super consistent and he's not going to make every throw. But after that first five, I wasn't, I wasn't down. I guess if I had to put a grade on it, I was five out of 10. I was unfazed by the first drive. I was going to go 5.7. You know, I was thinking in my head, field goals aren't going to win this game against the Falcons, but on the first drive made a couple of passes, got in a rhythm Feeling okay. Missed field goal, though. What did I say in my keys? We can't be missing field goals. That happens on the first drive. Second drive, 
you know, the Bears give up a huge pass to Calvin Ridley. The Falcons get on the board right away, and it's pretty much – it almost feels like go time from the second drive on. We start working end arounds. We try to start, you know, moving the Falcons' defense around a little bit, trying to give Mitch some space, and hits quick slant to A-Rob. You know, again, short of the six, another thing that's been wrong with Mitch Trubisky, you know, throws an incomplete pass, and then we convert on a field goal at that point. And at that point, you know, now it's six to three because the Falcons missed an extra point. A couple drives in, or at least we're getting something going a little bit. But again, some of those throws just didn't quite look right. And he was, you know, forcing balls into tight windows. Yeah, he continued to do that throughout the majority of the game. We saw, like you mentioned, him continuing to force the ball to A-Rob. But I did like what I saw from the running game early on. There was definitely an emphasis on getting that misdirection running game, trying to use that and carry that into the play action. And I think it was effective in some areas. Like we mentioned, obviously, uh, got to go out and make the better reads and make the better passes and complete the passes that matter. But, again, through this point, I'm not all that pessimistic. I feel like this is the Mitch Trubisky we've seen before. And so I'm st- I'm fine at this point. How are, how are you feeling at this point, Joey? I, I was right there with you because we had that mixture of running backs, you know, getting first downs and, and moving. And we were getting a little bit closer again. Now on that third drive, there's a third and seven. This is the first time that Mitch Trubisky tries to send a pass in the air, I think beyond 20 yards. And he sails it, you know, isn't even a catchable ball for Tariq Cohen down the sideline. You know, fourth drive was when the running game, in my opinion, started to go backwards a little bit. That was the first time David Montgomery got blown up in the backfield. You know, Trubisky hits a nice, like, little dig to Mooney, who, again, had a really good game. But on third and five, Trubisky takes a sack. It's 9-3 to three at this point, and the Falcons get the ball back and score another touchdown. It's starting to go in the opposite direction at that point. We're in the second quarter, Cameron. I'm saying I'm probably going down to a 4.8 on Mitch Trubisky at this point. Yeah, it definitely wasn't looking great. There was some things, and it wasn't just Mitch at that point. There were some things in the running game. It looked like they attempted to run a wham play at Grady Jarrett that essentially had Cole Komet trying to block, you know, one of the best three techs in the league. And, you know, we've talked that this that this Falcons defense wasn't superior and their defensive line certainly was not, but Grady Jarrett's not the guy that we want to put rookie tight end on. And so I thought that was not necessarily a bad play call, but it wasn't something that was working at the time. The passes, the passing game obviously was not there. Mitch's downfield passing was not there at all. And so at this point, I'm with you. I'm starting to, to trend downward. So at this point, the Falcons come down and score a touchdown. It's 16-3 with about 427 left in the half. And for me, in my head, this is when the thoughts of the end of the Trubisky era as a starter for now begins to start creeping into my mind. Just because at 16-3, to the way that we were going, kicking field goals, Matt Nagy in his head is like, well, how am I going to make this up and what kind of plays can I call and can I trust Mitch Trubisky to do it? Now, he comes down on that drive. And, you know, he takes a sack on the first play, but then he hits A-Rob for 16 yards, first down. He double pumps, almost throw an interception that was intended for Tariq Cohen. You know, second and 15, he hits A-Rob again for 16. He runs for 45 yards and then, you know, hits Jimmy Graham for a touchdown. It's 16 to 10. My meter's ticking up just a tiny little bit, but that was the first time in my head I started thinking, are we going to be able to stay in this game with the way that Mitch is playing at that time? Yeah, I think that you've got a good point there because, you know, as we kind of go back and look at this game from 
I guess in the rear view mirror, it's easier for me to look at this and go, oh, there, here were all the signs that this was coming and this is why it had to happen. But in the moment, I didn't feel like Mitch was really the reason that things weren't weren't clicking and working. You know, we, we do want to see him being able to make those downfield throws that I think are definitely holding the offense back. But they were able to do some things with the running game. And his short to intermediate passing is actually really good. It's really impressive. Uh, he was able to... He demonstrated that escapability, which, you know, you're never going to see from Nick Foles and a lot of the quarterbacks in the league and break off a 45-yard run, which shows the big upside. So at this point, you know, being down 13 points, we're not excited about it, but I still wasn't nervous. And, you know, there there was just enough. It's kind of like, like, kind of like my golf game, you know. We keep coming back to this. You do just enough things right that you want to come back and play the next week. And... You know, I, I want to see the big plays start to click for Mitch, but I thought that, you know, that things were okay. Boy, was I wrong. Stick with the, the golf analogy for a second because it's 16 to 10. Jimmy Graham finds the end zone. We actually get the ball back with a minute and 10 to play. Immediately, Trubisky tries to go deep to Darnell Mooney. Not really a catchable ball. Rolls out again, uses his legs, finds Tariq Cohen, moves the chains a little bit. Then on third and two, he airs it out to Anthony Miller. He is wide open, and this is to the golf scenario. Trubisky on the last drive literally just birdied a hole. And then on that play right there, in my opinion, has a four or five-foot putt to go back-to-back birdies and misses Anthony Miller. And that was an opportunity that slipped through our fingers. We go to the half down 16 to 10. So I was at about a 6.8, and then that probably dropped me down to about a 5.9 by the time the half came around because this is what we're talking about today where Mitch Trubisky at times did within the offense what he needed to do. But all of a sudden, Nagy in the back of his mind is like, I need a guy that can put the ball 20 yards down the field and complete a pass. Do you think that starts going through Nagy's mind at this point? It certainly does. And the thing is, being in a matchup against a red-hot offense like the Falcons possess, it probably expedited this process of having to make this change. If they're playing a team that might be winning and they're playing behind, but they're doing it in a ground-and-pound fashion, you know, you might be able to make that comeback with Mitch Trubisky, with that running game, with them kind of doing that more well-rounded offense. But when they get into a shootout, they need someone to throw down-the-field passes, and Mitch just didn't get it done. Like uh, The point we're trying to make here is that I'm not sure that it's totally fair to say that Mitch was just like had to come out of the game based on performance, but I think he needed to come out of this game. There was penalties, and the running game wasn't able to exactly give him that stability that he needs to succeed. Roll it to the second half. The Falcons just run it down the Bears' throat and go up 23-10. to 10. You know, punch right to the face after you're trying to mount this comeback. Trubisky comes back out. You know, high, you know, a high throw, but a quick turnaround pass to A-Rob, completion, second and five. Monty gets blown up in the backfield again. Another, you know, another negative run play that is something that the Bears have avoided the first two weeks of the season. That kind of bites them right there. And then on that third and eight, which at the time finished up being one for seven on third downs, a stat that you'll see in the box score that also helped Nagy's decision out. Just an awful pass to Jimmy Graham. It just hurts on so many levels. One, with Trubisky, you want him to go through his progression, always look to second-level attack, be on the offense. 
And instead of looking at Allen Robinson, who had the same break on that second level for the first down, he throws a Jimmy Graham, really bad pass. Allen Robinson is literally jumping up and down, saying, I'm open, I'm open, I'm open. And the Falcons get the ball back, and luckily the Bears you know, hold them to a field goal, but it's 26-10. to 10, And this is where the game completely changes, Cameron. At that point, after that pick, I was surprised they brought Nick Foles in, but it just was going in the wrong direction. Yeah, I think you're right, though, about the hindsight. The hi- in hindsight, I get it. And the moment, it just seemed completely out of place because it didn't feel like Mitch was losing them the game. The Bears had bad luck on several on several calls by the officials, which we don't. I don't beat up on officials too often, but there were just some things that just really didn't go the Bears' way. And then, obviously, just some unfortunate circumstances. But at the time, it didn't feel it didn't feel right to me. And I don't know if I'm just being a uh, a Mitch truther or a sympathizer or what, but in the moment it felt really poorly timed and, and out of place. But we're going to look back on this and say, you know, that was the time that Nick Foles came in in the middle of the third quarter. It, you know, like, remember the time Bobby Boucher showed up at halftime and the Mud Dogs won the Bourbon Bowl? That's like the way we're going to talk about this Nick Foles performance is he showed up in the second half and threw basically five touchdowns, three of them counted. So, I mean, it's going to be hard to, to not, you know, how do you come back from this? Sit on my knee, my boy. I'm going to tell you a tale of Nick Foles. <laughs> my first thought was, hey, it's 26 to 10. Are we cashing in this game? Are we bringing in the backup to protect our starter? And then the second thing I thought of was, I think we all know how short Mitch Trubisky's leash was, and it wasn't very long. I mean, it was almost as if a rookie running back had fumbled, and you're just yanking him off the field off of that after that interception. And we had talked in the beginning of the season, Cameron, and I'm sorry I made you chuckle, but I asked you how many games, a.k.a. how many quarters, would Mitch Trubisky last this season? Turned out to be 10.5. And it's it's crazy because he hasn't lost. He hasn't lost. He just lost the job, and I, it's it's unbelievable. This whole entire process, like I said, new to this whole Bears fandom thing, it is a roller coaster of emotions. Being a being a Mitch Trubisky truther, or at least claiming to be, this entire thing has just been exhausting. I'm I'm tired. I'm tired, Joey. Welcome aboard. Get this man a Red Bull because he's going to be here a while. He's a, he's a Bears fan now. I get why Bears fans drink. <laughs> welcome. So, <laughs> welcome, my friend. Let's get you uh, let's get you some beef and maybe uh, baptize it in the juice while while we're at it. Let's get you rolling here. So Foles comes in and 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 I want to go through drive by drive with him too as well because we're remembering his amazing plays, but. He wasn't necessarily, you know, perfection out there too as well. And maybe we can kind of dispel what we're going to be realistically looking at moving forward. Because I don't think on this podcast we want to work with hyperbole, which is exactly what Bears fans are going to be working with. And I kind of want to just go through the real deal of what happened. You know, his first drive on a second and six, he found Jimmy Graham wide open. You know, that's within the offense. They're going to a spread out. Now, Nick Foles, he did go under center a couple times, but he's mostly shotgun now. And then Matt Nagy. Dials up a beautiful screen pass to Tariq Cohen for 20 yards. Great call right there. And then Foles, this is that first moment where Trubisky has struggled. We talked about his touch passes. We've talked about those game-changing plays. And Foles throws a dime to Allen Robinson, who catches the ball, wrestled away from him by Denard. They called a touchdown on the field, reversed it, and called it an interception. Cameron, can you walk us through this? Because I don't understand the thought process 
with the precedent of the touchdown being on the field, giving it to the opposition. Yeah, that one was really hard for me to to kind of grapple with because honestly, I can see them calling it an interception. That that's not hard for me. I don't understand how you can say that it was a touchdown on the field and then go to the go to the review and say that there was conclusive evidence that it wasn't. If you would have called it an interception on the field and then uh, were upheld by what you saw on the on the replay, that's fine with me. But I don't think it was conclusive either way. In fact, I don't think I've ever seen such a toss-up. I don't even know how you how you break that down because it it appeared to me that A Rob had the catch but never landed in the end zone and by the time his body actually hit something in the end zone the ball seemed to be in denard's hands is that the way you saw it so my interpretation is and what we've been told is that not only do they have to gain possession but they have to make the completion of the catch now we've amended that over the past couple of seasons so what i saw was alan robinson has his hands on it comes down in control foot down comes over now they're talking about control of the ball and this is where you lose me on this call is with control of the ball he goes to the ground and if there is that moment where Denard wrestles it away from him when he's going to the ground he still has control so that goes tied to the receiver and if it doesn't you're telling me that then the cornerback gains possession on the ground and maintains possession while he's already down on the ground that doesn't make any sense to me and they call it a touchdown on the field it seems like we got ripped off Cameron I'm with you. I'm completely, completely with you. It was. A, it seemed to me to be a total toss-up. And if it was a total toss-up, I say you uphold what you saw in the field, and and they called it a touchdown initially. But beyond that, I want to just make the point here: when that throw was made, and when that play was almost a touchdown, when that happened in that exact moment, didn't you think, oh, that's why they got Nick Foles? That's exactly why you bring in Nick Foles, because that's just a throw that Mitchell Trubisky doesn't make. That's a play that doesn't get made. And whether it was called a touchdown or an interception, you immediately saw the change in the approach of the offense and the philosophy. And granted, that may be because the team was down 16 points or whatever it was at the, at the, at the moment, you know. And so you see the confidence that they have in to take these downfield attacks. Nick Foles comes in and seems competent in throwing the ball downfield. And it just changed the entire sort of mindset and approach of the offense. It's NFL quarterback throws. And that's what we brought him in for. It's such a great point. And that's why we brought in Allen Robinson and Jimmy Graham over the past few seasons. These are professionals who can make those, you know, when those throws go up there, they know exactly what to do. They have that skill set that goes just beyond the talent and the speed and the athleticism. This is what makes them football players. So on the very next drive, three and out, go into the fourth quarter, Falcons, drive down the field and get a missed field goal. Again, field goals coming into play in this game. So the Bears get the football back at that point. Third drive, incomplete pass to Tariq Cohen. They hit hit one to A-Rob, a little check down to Mooney. You know, they're kind of in a cover two now because they're up 26 to 10. You know, deep pass to Mooney. It gets knocked away. You know, Jimmy Graham pass, almost intercepted, screen pass to, you know, nothing's really seemed to be working here. And then, and then almost picked off in the end zone. And then Miller, you know, a great throw again, but again, an incomplete pass by Miller. And I'm with the refs on that one. It didn't seem like he completed control. The ball was moving around when he rolled over. Are you on board with the Miller uh, reverse? Yeah, I think you have to be, but that one sucks too. You know, the more that we break it down and watch everything in super slow-mo, I guess that's not a catch. catch. 15 years ago, that's a catch. That's a touchdown. And it sucks that... 
that you go and do that, but I'm with you. And that did not appear to be a catch, and the ball must have hit the hit the ground a little bit, just a little bit. It's the modern sports fans' dilemma because I'm cheering on a Zoom with all my buddies, and 25 seconds later, you got to remind yourself, oh yeah, every single play is reviewable, and you're just sitting in. All right, now you know we're only down. We're only down. We're gonna go for two right here. We're gonna be down a score. All this other stuff, and then they come back and rule it incomplete. And so, again, another touchdown wiped off the board from Nick Foles. Great throw again by Nick Foles. Come on back. You know, Tariq Cohen then gets hurt. Unfortunately, you know, we hold the Falcons three and out. We get the ball back. Tariq Cohen gets hurt. But on that fourth drive, quick pass to A-Rob. Foles underthrows A-Rob again. It could have been another possible interception. And then a ballsy 29-yard throw to Ted Ginn, by far the longest attempted pass of the day. That one was pretty nice. I don't know how he was able to thread the ball in there, but it was a tremendous, tremendous ball and a great play. Into the red zone, the Falcons get a personal foul on Montgomery. You know, touchdown again to Jimmy Graham. Two-point conversion, intercepted, so not a great throw there again. And then it's really going to start coming down to these final moments in the game, six minutes to go. You know, we're right in it, Cameron. It's pretty amazing. Definitely. This is where the wheels started to fall off a little bit for the Falcons. And this is also where... They kind of they had an identity crisis. I don't know if you noticed this, but this is what I started to think about the Falcons during the game. You had the opportunity to put this game away. You could either one commit and go to this full-on sort of four-minute offense, but still run that four-minute offense, chew clock, you know, try and kill the Bears' chances, especially in terms of time, or stay hot, stay aggressive, keep trying to throw the ball downfield. That's really what the Falcons are kind of known for. That's sort of their bread and butter. But they were in the middle of this half-measured, hey, we want to still take some shots, but we want to run the clock. And I think, I mean, we've seen this before. Dan Quinn and this uh, Falcons team are kind of notorious for this. They don't handle these situations very well. And let's just go ahead and go through what happens next. Well, it's 26-16, and they get kind of spooked, right? Like, on their next two drives, they have four passes, only one run play. So, in terms of time that's ran off the clock, we don't have the exact numbers, but I can imagine it's under a minute, which allows the Bears to get the ball back. Montgomery rips off a 10-yard run, quick pass to Jimmy Graham, and then Allen Robinson going up, snatching it, slinging two Falcons defenders off of him and running into the end zone. At this point... Bears fans are starting to feel it right now. Falcons fans are starting to feel it in the other way, and we are right back in this game 26-23. I believe I just sat there and held my breath. As, as this happens, I'm just sitting there not breathing, watching the TV. I'm holding my son. He's, a, he's an infant. He's also not breathing. I should be concerned about this. But we're just sitting here choking, choking on air together. Falcons get the ball back, and as I mentioned before, three straight Pass plays, three straight incompletions with four minutes to go. Absolutely just unbelievably stupid play calling again by the opposition that the Bears are more than happy to take. We appreciate your charity. Other teams, Lions, (laughs) Falcons, Bears get the ball back. Quick sling to uh, Allen Robinson. Montgomery runs for a first down. Montgomery goes into motion. He tries for the end zone. Doesn't quite hit him there. And then with just – they bring an all-out blitz – and Foles just sticks in the pocket, throws a beautiful pass up in the air to a wide-open Anthony Miller. Bears take the lead. Falcons get the ball back. They bring it to about midfield or about the 35-yard line, but couldn't cash it in. Bears win. It was a roller coaster, and I feel like I'm going to wear out the roller coaster analogy by the end of the season, but we have gone through three games, and it's each one has just been insane, and this was by far the craziest. 
Before we get into the big topic, how about all these fun, game-changing highlight plays for the Bears getting called back on penalties? Last week, it was un- we had the pick six. This week, we had the fumble. Um, we just absolutely just brought the heat on Matt Ryan. He had absolutely no chance fumble that ended up uh, coming back with a penalty. We had two touchdowns reversed. I mean, these are our highlights, and they don't exist, Cameron. Was there a play the that Bilal Nichols picked up a fumble and then f- for, got a forward lateral? Yes, yeah, uh, but that was declined. That was declined because of what? a penalty. What are you doing? What is the thought process on that, son? You got the ball. Why are you talking? You're never going to get it again. You are fall down. Fall down. What was the thought process there? Huck it and chuck it. He was thinking, <laughs> he was looking at pay dirt, and then all of a sudden he, he bailed. He panicked and he bailed. So I think we want to hit a lot of different things about this game, a lot of heroes, a lot of villains, a lot of disappointments, a lot to talk about, but let's just get to what everyone's thinking about, and we want to hear your thoughts, Cameron. Nick Foles finished the game. He had three touchdowns. As you said, he probably could have had five. All of his throws weren't perfect, but his throws were money. We were able to stretch the field. You got to stick with Nick Foles, right? This is not Mitch Trubisky's team anymore. And see, that's the, that's the, that's the crappy part about this is that I don't really know that Mitch Trubisky lost this game. I don't think he lost this job. I think it was just the matchup called for a different skill set. But you cannot flip-flop. You just absolutely cannot flip-flop. I've been in offenses where they've made a quarterback change or there's been like, oh, this guy was better for this and this guy was better for that. And you go back and forth and it's just it just doesn't work. There's just something to the continuity, the leadership, the confidence in the guy that's making the calls, that's just, it just means more. And it's not the kind of thing that you can like see. It's an intangible, if you will. And it just permeates through the entire locker room. It just matters. And I don't know how to explain it any more than that. If you weren't out there, you may not understand it. But believe me, trust me, a team needs to know who their guy is going to be. And if, if they think that Nick Foles is going to give them the the best chance, then I think they'll probably keep Nick out there. And and I, I mean, I don't know who I I feel worse for. I mean, I feel I feel bad for Mitch. I, I feel bad for Terod Taylor the way he lost his his job. This is all sorts of bad stuff happening for quarterbacks out there. To be very fair, Mitch Trubisky handled it like a pro in the post game, and Nick Foles, to his credit, played the card of I didn't see this coming. And I'm glad I could step in and just help the team. Mitch is still an excellent quarterback. And Mitch deferred to Nick and said that I'm happy that we got a team win today. I didn't like the news that I got. It was frustrating, but I'm happy that the team wins. So all that is good, but you're making such a great point, Cameron. And look, you played in the NFL, man. Just tell us what it's like specifically. You know, you mentioned what it's like going from quarterback to quarterback, but what it would be like going from Mitch Trubisky, he uses his legs, to Nick Foles, who's 6'5 and sits in the pocket differently. I mean, for an offensive lineman, what kind of a switch is, like, is that like mid-game? Well, you saw, the, you saw the very evident change in strategy and change in play calling the moment that Foles came on the field. All of a sudden, we're, we're completely out of the gun. We're throwing the ball downfield. We're changing up our, our entire approach. That's going to change the way the defense plays and attacks us. It's just a whole different ball game when you're going to bring in someone like that. And it changes, obviously, the run game. It changes the way that the defense plays you. 
and the way that you're going to, you know, the balls that you're going to throw, the plays that you're going to call. I, it's, it's just a complete shift because they don't play the same way. To, to catch that in the middle of the game, this is going to impact the impact the the way the linebackers fit, the way that the defensive line attacks you. As an offensive lineman, I mean, you're almost frustrated because it just you you were prepared for one thing and all of a sudden you got to switch it up and, and and deal with another. So it's not the kind of thing you want to go back and forth, back and forth on. I'm, I can guarantee you that. It can't be easy because I counted three or at least four times where Nick Foles went kill, 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 and he switched out of a play pre-snap. And this is a guy who hasn't been practicing with the team all week long. And he was able to come there and, and make some plays. And here's what I have to say to all the Bears fans out there right now, especially the ones, the meme is out there, the tombstone of the Mitch Trubisky era and all this other kinds of stuff. Let me just tell you right now, my Chicagoan friends, do not pull out your back shoveling the dirt onto Mitch Trubisky's grave yet. Because let me just tell you, I'm just saying that there may come a time this season where we're going to need him again. Health provided, I want everyone to stay healthy at all times, and I want all of our Bears players to be productive. But there could be a time when we see Mitch Trubisky in this lineup again. And I'm with you, Cameron, where I just don't think this isn't Trubisky against the Eagles last year. This is a situation where, you know, and look at the stats. I mean, Nick Foles had 6.5 yards per you know, completion. Mitch had 5.8. Not that big of a disparity, right? But at the end of the day, that 5.8 is a glaring number. And Mitch Trubisky was successful in his short-range intermediate throws, but when it came time to expand the offense, which is the whole point of doing those short throws in the first place, he couldn't connect 20 yards and out. And that was shrinking our offense. So it's not that he was terrible out there. It was just he wasn't providing something that I think the, the, the game needed and what the offense needed, and Foles was able to provide that. I just want to talk people off of you know, running Mitch Trubisky out of town right this very second. But I think that there's things that Mitch brings to the offense that Nick doesn't either. I mean, I don't think the running game was as strong in the second half. I don't think that they were able to create some of the some of the motion and getting, you know, Mitch out of the pocket and getting guys in, into good positions. Nick doesn't do that. He does have a better vertical passing game, but there's definitely holes in his game as well. So really, I mean, if I think what's best for this offense is a more well-rounded Mitch Trubisky. If Mitchell Trubisky can throw the ball downfield and complete those downfield passes, I think that's the better option because the running game was spectacular through the first two weeks. And I think that he is a large part of that. And let me just follow up. Wouldn't you say that we tried to run the football with RPOs last year, mostly from shotgun, and it didn't really seem to work out. This year, Mitch was under center a lot more, and we were working the play action, and we got some ground game going. With Nick Foles, he's primarily a shotgun passer. Help the audiences understand how that makes a difference in the run game, an element of our offense that was working and something that I think we want to be consistent and continue to do well. Yeah, from the shotgun, from the shotgun, the running game is going to be entirely different because as a defense, you know where the ball is going. If it's going to be ran, there's nowhere else for it to go. So if I'm the if I'm under center, the running back, in theory, can go a number of different ways. If I'm in the shotgun and the quarterback is lined up directly next to the running back, he, he can't go anywhere opposite him, if that makes sense. The, the ball, you know where the ball is going. You have, you know, it, it does provide more of an RPO opportunity, but Nick Foles isn't going to be the, the RPO guy necessarily, I don't, I don't think. And so I just think that it may open, up the downfield play calling but i think it's going to limit the play calling in, in many other ways 
Well, and look, we just want the best quarterback to play for the Chicago Bears and to win games for us this year. So if we're going to be critical of Mitch Trubisky week one against the Lions when he led this epic comeback and we're going to be critical of him, it is completely fair to sort of look at the flaws or the positives in Nick Foles' game too as well and sort of treat them for what they are moving forward. You know, gut reaction right now, what does Matt Nagy do? Does he stick with Foles for next week or does he go back to Trubisky? I don't think he can go back. You can't go back because you took the keys to the car from him and said, I don't think you can win the game. And it's it may not have even been completely and totally about football or, or whatever, but you that there's just a confidence that is going to be lost. And it's it's really kind of sad when you think about it that, that they had this guy and they wanted to give him one more chance, and he came out and won two games in dramatic fashion, and in one half of a, of the third game didn't play particularly well, got in a bad scenario, and they said, you know, we don't trust you anymore, and they took the keys of the card from him and gave it to to the you know the guy that looks like a high school history teacher, and and Nick Foles, and and he happened to win, and. You know, that may, like we said, that may have been a game and a shootout and a style of play that that Mitch couldn't have won. But I think there's going to be games down the road that he may be better suited for, but you can't go back and forth. You've shown your cards. You've shown that when the going gets tough, you trust Foles over Trubisky. And I just don't think there's any turning back. For me, it just has to be Foles for right now. And this is all based on things that we've already been talking about. And I think this is probably the thing that probably puts the nail in it for me just for right now. Cause I do think there's a possibility to see Trubisky again at the end of the season. But when we were on this preview pod, you said bears 31. I said bears 40 in theory, the bears could have had 47 points in this game. So the thing that reflects most poorly on Mitch Trubisky right now is we called it out. The, the Falcons defense is bad. There was opportunities out there to rip up that unit to shreds. And when Mitch failed in those critical moments to execute and to really blow him up, that's when Nagy just hit the eject button. And look, he was right. We came back and we won the game. I mean, that could have gone a completely different direction where we would have lost, you know, 42 to 16 and we would have been talking about a shattered confidence of Trubisky and what do we have with Foles. It could have gone in a totally different direction, but he rolled the dice. It worked out. And perhaps it just was this situation of he just knew that we should have been racking up the score against this Falcons team, and Mitch just couldn't do it, and his hand was forced. And that's the thing that I'm going to take away from this and in my evaluation of of Foles is I don't think he played that tremendous of a game. If I'm being completely honest, the difference between him and... And Trubisky is the ability to make that downfield throw that's a little bit more difficult that's maybe a 50-50 ball. You know, to, to throw that ball that that you hope you, your guy can get. Most of the time for Mitch Trubisky, that doesn't work out. That doesn't happen. And today, Nick Foles was able to execute those big, those big downfield throws, those 50-50 balls, those plays that really, you know, found their way into the end zone. And that's really the difference. It's not... Like we said, Mitch Mitch didn't throw. I mean, I think Mitch had a better completion percentage or was just about as good. He wasn't playing terrible, but his throws are shorter. They're intermediate. They don't go downfield. Nick just has a competency for the downfield ball. That's really it. That's really the difference. And to be fair, that part of Trubisky's game has just been brutal. 
it's just been brutal, and it's been brutal not just this season, but it was brutal for long portions of last season too as well. And this is a bit of where we're at right now. I just hope Bears fans just keep in mind that I just think that we're going to be seeing Mitch Trubisky again this season. So I don't, I'm not trying to back that guy up and say go easy on him or something, but you guys better start wrapping your heads around the concept of don't curse the dude out and burn his jersey tonight because I think he might still be able to help us somewhere down along the road. And hopefully Nick Foles can come out there and be a consistent presence and, and make those plays that we're asking him to make. And hopefully it continues to mean Bears winning football games. I think you're for sure right. We will see probably Mr. Trubisky again at some point. And we just got to hope that Nick Foles continues to be confident on those on those downfield throws and be able to, to get the ball into the end zone because that's the thing that Mitch has been lacking thus far. Let's talk about the defense for a little bit. They played today too. What defense? <laughs> a bit of a uh, underwhelming first half, but again, something that I think – in high, you know, when you're looking at the big picture of the game, they were able to hold this explosive Falcons offense, albeit without Julio Jones, to field goals. And in the second half, they really tightened up. The pass rush at times when it came, it came with a lot of heat. And I liked, for the most part, what we were able to do. I mean, for a, a Falcons team that was scoring 38-39 every single week to home to 26, feels a little bit like a victory today. <laughs> it's hard to think that 26 is holding up to a victory, but when you score 30, it is. The defense, I thought... That's looked... deep. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the defense looked very good in the first half. There definitely were some areas... There were definitely some areas that could have been improved upon, but we do have to give credit where credit is due. The Falcons' offense is explosive. Calvin Ridley is the number one receiver in the league for a reason. Matt Ryan is you know the same as he always is throws a lot of throws the ball downfield throws some interceptions but is a fairly consistent you know what you're going to get kind of guy and they got a they got a running game going a little bit even that I wasn't totally sure was going to be there but yeah the defense they ended up picking things up a little bit as the game went on they started making the big plays and the big plays in this instance like you said were not necessarily huge interceptions or or big sacks it was just making the stop when they needed it and and sometimes that's enough especially when you're able to score five touchdowns or that ended up only being three in the second half so you know they they did enough and they kind of bowed their back when they needed to i think that's the expression and and got things right and got it fixed and and got it just good enough to to win this game and when you look at it, Matt Ryan threw for 82 pass yards in the first quarter. He threw for 238 on the day. So that means the last three quarters they held him to 156. That's about 50 yards a quarter. That's kind of, in terms of holding down this big-time offense, I felt like the Bears were able to do that. Again, some areas we were worried about, Hayden Hurst and the tight ends, Danny Trevathan, again, they kind of sort of targeted him at some times on the, uh, you know, some of the inside passes. And Ridley was getting to them a little bit, and we gave up a couple of runs. But in that second half, I just thought we improved upon our tackling. We were able to get to Matt Ryan a little bit more. And again, on those third-down situations, like you mentioned, we were just able to get them off the field. And that's a huge reason why we were able to come back in this game. Yeah, definitely. In the second half, they dialed up the pressure a little bit more. I love seeing the pass rush get home a couple times. Akeem was a monster uh, on the interior, and, and they definitely, like we said, kind of kind of did what needed to be done on some of those uh, third and fourth quarter possessions, and and keeping, you know, keeping these offenses from getting into the end zone and putting the pressure on these kickers, which has seems to have been a common a common theme throughout the season for the entire NFL. You know, make the kicker beat you and 
oftentimes the kickers don't seem to be equipped for for the pressure that uh, that maybe some of the other positional players are. So the the Bears they did what they needed to later on in the second half. They slowed down this passing attack, and uh, you know you got to feel good about keeping Atlanta to only twenty six points. Let's give out some awards here. Let's talk about you know some unsung heroes and maybe some disappointments. You know, MVP of the game, I think everyone's going to turn to Nick Foles and probably hand that right over to him. He's probably getting the game ball. But if there's maybe someone, an unsung hero, a guy that, you know, all the headlines are going to be about Nick Foles, but the game was also about this guy. Who are you giving that to this week against the Falcons? It's crazy that you said it's for sure going to Nick Foles because Nick Foles did obviously come in the second half and, and really won the game. But, I mean, if you look at the stat line and the guy that as I noticed this as you were going through and kind of reading line by line what happened possession after possession after possession. I don't know how many times you just mentioned uh, A-Rob with the catch. A-Rob I, I, think the I, did, catch. I think I did 10 times because he had A-Rob the catch today. He had 10 catches. And what I noticed was, you know, these weren't huge downfield plays. He did have the 37-yard uh, catch, but he uh, he did ten catches on thirteen targets, 123 yards total, one touchdown. It was just very consistent. It was just the the kind of possession receiver, the guy that you want to be your number one receiver. You know, go ahead and extend AR while we're at it. But um, I mean, he was just he just seemed like everyone's go to. He just seemed like the guy that you trusted. Hey, let's we need a big play. We can go to AR, and they were behind the chains a couple times, and they just were able to just. Throw it to Allen Robinson, and he and he got what he needed to get. So I mean, I think Allen Robinson ten catches, one hundred twenty three yards, and a touchdown. That's that's going to be my game ball on on offense. That play where he just shook two Falcons defenders off and scored just sent me through the roof, and that's what sets him up. That's bad defense. That's bad defense. What I like the most about what they did with Allen Robinson in this game is, I just I'm not the biggest fan of when they just throw it up 50-50 and they just expect him to go up and make a play. It's just so much to ask from a player. I like that they they flash that maybe once or twice a game, but I just feel like that that is sometimes too much the go-to move with Allen Robinson. But, you know, when Foles came in, he had a quick little out, like get the ball into his hands right away and just have him run with the ball. You know, slants, little, like quick little sit-downs for some receptions. They were doing a lot of different things with him all across the field, and they were able to capitalize on it. If I can also put another little honorable mention up there, again, love me some Cordero Patterson. The dude put together some pretty decent runs, and then right when we needed it in an opportunity to score, he just put on a fantastic display from a kick returning uh, perspective. One of the hardest athletic 47-yard returns that you'll ever really see. Again, that guy, again, just comes in and just makes those little plays that just either give us a first down or just give the defense something else to think about or in the special teams, give us a strong field. Again, Cordell Patterson, loving what I'm seeing. Just before that return, they put the graphic up on the screen about how Gail Sayers and Cordero Patterson were the two uh, best return men based upon the average length of their return in NFL history. And I was kind of thinking to myself, I haven't seen Cordero really have a great return so far this year. And then he immediately goes and pops that one. And I'm always thinking to myself, there's something about the way he returns that's almost very lethargic. You know, he just doesn't seem like he's putting a whole bunch of effort into it. And sometimes, you know, he'll bring the – he's very gutsy and he'll bring the ball out of the end zone. And a lot of times he ends up on, like, the 22 or the 23. And you're like, man, I mean, did we really need to do that? But then, just like today, he just just times it up right. He makes a good cut. He's explosive. He's fast. He's big and strong. And he's a hell of a guy to try and bring down. And right when the Bears needed it, it was perfectly timed – and I loved it. That's why he's back there. So I, I'm an idiot. He's he's excellent return man, the greatest of all time, and and it was right what the Bears needed, right at the perfect time. 
I feel like when he makes that first cut, his sidestep is like 15 feet. It's just incredible it, how he can just separate himself from defenders off that cut. He's huge. He's, I mean, he's just so big and strong, and most people that size don't move that fast. And and that's why, like, oftentimes, like, these traditional-style running backs are these smaller, shiftier dudes that can make a cut and then get to full speed very quickly. It's not a common thing to see a guy that, that that big make that first cut and then get to full speed. And that's why I think he's been an, an interesting addition to the, to the Bears' backfield. And if you think about it, and I know this is the point and the kind of the reason that he's back there, uh, in the backfield is because it's kind of similar to uh, these kick returns. It's kind of like a zone running game, you know, where you kind of go on your angle, 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 oh, you find your hole, and then you cut up and go. And he's been able to do that, and, and that's exactly what we saw in that big return today. Real quick, we're talking about unsung heroes. Just a couple words for your boy, Akeem Hicks. One and a half sacks today, and he brought a pain on a couple of plays, and he, he was his, his presence was felt throughout the game. His presence was felt when he got the roughing the passer for putting his 375 pounds right on Matt uh, Ryan's sternum. So I'm sorry, Matt Ryan. From I'll go ahead and apologize for my guy Akeem that he shouldn't have done. But seriously, officials, what the hell are we supposed to do? Like, what what are you supposed to do? You can't land on him. You can't put your weight on him. How is he going to stop that? I, I understand it's the letter of the law, and we're trying to protect these guys that make all the money and the fancy throws. But Akeem Hicks is not going to not land on him when he's got him in his arms. Beyond that, Akeem played great. He was able to beat up on a on a weak interior offensive line for the Atlanta Falcons. The one and a half sacks, but you see his presence. You see his presence all over the field, and and I, you know, he's a huge part of that Bears defense. You also saw a helmet to helmet hit where it looked like Khalil Mack was dragging Matt Ryan down, and he just brought his head down to where the chest, like where the hit level for the chest would be, and then it ended up hitting him in the helmet. So it's a big more of like, what are you going to do? The cost of doing business, perhaps, if we will, Cameron. Let's get to the disappointments in the game. I'm going to give you a selection here to pick from. You know, what's kind of the biggest uh, disappointing aspect that you're walking out with this Bears team right now? And if, if there isn't one on the board, go for it. The list is the amount of penalties in the game. I believe we had at least over 10. The O offensive line in the run game perhaps maybe taking a small step backwards in this effort. Uh, Tariq Cohen's injury or the state of Mitch Trubisky's career with the Bears? Well, that last one, I feel like we cover that every week. So I'm just going to go ahead and forego the Mitch Trubisky conversation. I'm going to go just go ahead and kind of lump the penalties, the offensive line, and the kind of run game into one general thing, and just say the offensive line and the and the run game just didn't seem to didn't seem to click. They seemed to be uh, out of sync, out of sorts, out of rhythm, if you will. And they were just—they've been very disciplined so far throughout the season. And the penalties and playing beyond or behind the the, the I guess behind the chains. It's hard. It's it's hard. We've mentioned it every week how it was hard on Mitch, and those are the situations that we want to avoid. I just don't think that they seemed to be clicking at a, at a high level today, and I don't know if if we can attribute that to a little bit more movement from this Atlanta defensive front that we didn't think was going to be very good, so they kind of dialed up some some more twists and some games. We'll have to go back and watch the film when we get the opportunity when they put the All-22 up on that. Um, but I just wasn't super impressed by the offensive line. I wasn't super impressed by the run game. And obviously when you get down early, you have to kind of go away from it a little bit. That is to be understood. Um, but I, I just felt like early on they weren't doing as much to get 
Dave Montgomery in the space and to really allow him to establish himself and have his presence felt on this game. And I just, I just think that the offensive line and that whole big portion of the game did take a step back this week. The penalties are just another element that is an eight ball behind Mitch Trubisky's success. And that was another element that went into eventually him getting benched. I feel like at times just because it, it, it held down drives and in just in terms of, I just want to hear your reaction on Tariq Cohen's injury. Shefty is reporting uh, Adam Schefter on ESPN's tweeting that they fear that he has torn his ACL might be out for the season. Tariq Cohen's numbers weren't looking super great, but he was contributing, especially in this game. He had a couple really nice runs. His dynamic might be now taken out of the running back room. How do you see the Bears moving forward, and what's your reaction to him getting hurt? I mean, it's, it obviously sucks to, to lose a player like Tariq and to lose what he brings to the offense. You mentioned that his numbers weren't fantastic, but what Tariq does is he may not be the number one back. He's not the kind of guy that gets 15 to 20 carries a game, and he's not going to score or get 100 rushing yards every week. But what he can do is he can pop one big run every week or a big catch or score that touchdown or just scare the defense in some way because he's just an explosive type player. And so just the threat that he's no longer on the field, that's just one less thing the defenses have to worry about. I love the way that they've been. I had noticed this early on. They were lining up in empty formations and then motioning running backs into the backfield. And then they would go and throw some a screen off of it or they'd run a draw off of it. And they did all these different sort of things. I loved the way that they lined these running backs up in different places and the different combinations of, of attacks and things that they did off of it. And obviously, you know, losing a weapon like Tariq, that's just one less tool in, in the arsenal, if you will. And, you know, they, they'll be okay. Tariq doesn't play the biggest role in the offense, but it's just the threat. It's just always there. It's always got to be in the defense's back, the back of the defense's mind that there's this guy that can pop at any moment in time. He's thrown touchdown passes in his career. He's caught touchdown passes in his career. He's obviously ran for some. And so, you know, it just, it just hurts to lose an all-around weapon kind of like that. Yeah, the look that he brings when he's on the field is unique, where Cordero Patterson goes out into motion, goes in the slot. Let's be honest, he's probably not getting thrown the ball. David Montgomery, that's a little bit more of, you know, people will do that with running backs all the time, but he's more maybe running wheel routes and, you know, a little quick, like, action digs and stuff like that. But Tariq was the one that truly, when he was out on the field, you weren't sure whether he was going to be, you know, running a route or running the ball from the backfield. And it is going to hurt. I'm really interested to see, if they do bring someone in to at least kind of bolster the depth in that room a little bit, I do think this means that you're going to see a lot more David Montgomery on the field, which isn't a bad thing, but I'm right there with you. It just sort of changes a little bit of the, some of the motion and some of the looks that they probably want to give defenses to think about on a week to week basis. Well, that's another thing though, is that if in the Mitchell, the Mitchell Trubisky rendition of this offense, there was a lot more motion. There was a lot more stuff under, under center they were just being there was a lot more to incorporate in this running game. I don't know that we'll see as much of that with Nick Foles uh, back back there anyway, so it may not be as big of an impact, but even as a receiver, he's definitely someone that you needed to fear. So it, it will be interesting to see how the Bears go about approaching this and having to make this adjustment. I don't know that and we were saying this before the season that 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 just uh, David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen and Cordero Patterson would be enough. 
we were saying that that when they were going to have to rep- uh, when we thought they were going to have to replace uh, David Montgomery during that injury during the preseason that they'd need to find another a number two. I think Cordero's done a really good job of being number two, but they will definitely miss the gadgetry. And you know, you might look to look, might look to add someone, or I don't, I don't I'm not sure that Ryan Nall is going to f- fill that void. The news hasn't been confirmed. That's just what's coming from Adam Schefter. And honestly, when Adam Schefter reports something, it usually ends up happening. So we'll have to see what happens with Tariq Cohen. But Cameron, Bears are 3-0. and It's been one of the wildest 3-0s and I think I've ever perhaps gone through as a fan. And I'm happy to be on the winning side of it. The Nick Foles era looks to be rapidly approaching if it isn't already here. We kind of walked out of our last pod. Just, you know, what can you tell Bears fans right now? I know, you know, Nick Foles isn't Joe Montana and Mitch Trubisky isn't Rex Grossman. So there's somewhere in between here. You know, what can you tell the Bears fans that are going to be hating on Trubisky this week and, and washing the feet of Nick Foles? I'd say don't. I, I just really, I really would just say pause and hesitate before you you know, call either one of these guys great and the other one terrible. I think they're both in between. And we've we've hit on this many times, but there's just there're just things that are in the offense that Mitch didn't do particularly well, but you guys are going to see that there's things that that Nick Foles does that I think will limit the defense or limit this offense in some ways. So I I'm not ready to call Nick Foles the the Messiah and the savior of of the Chicago Bears season and and this offense. And I'm not ready to say that Mitch Trubisky was was ultimately holding them back to such a degree, and and that and that Nick Foles is going to be so much better. I just think that they both have different skill sets, and one of them was better to win the game today. But moving forward, I, I don't know that you're going to see just such a change next week. Lions, Giants, Falcons. Combine all their records right now, and I can guarantee you, yeah, one win between all of them right now. So next week, we play the Indianapolis Colts. And let me just tell you something. The Indianapolis Colts are a little bit of a different animal than the teams that we've already played. This is perhaps a good football team, probably definitely a playoff team. This is going to be the real first true test. I'm glad we got three wins under our belt right now, but next week against the Colts, I think we're going to get a really good test of where our defense is at and whoever is under center, whether that offense can continue the progress that they were able to find in the last quarter and a half today. Yeah, you hope that the that they can just build off of this. Whether it's Mitch, whether it's Nick, they've got momentum. They're 3-0. and You're not going to go back and, and say and, and beat yourself up too much over this. You're going to say, hey, we're 3-0. and We've got confidence. We've proven that we can win close games. Now let's try and put four quarters together. And, and they've got a quarterback who – you know, so far has played one and a half quarters and they've looked pretty good. So I, I, I suppose that's got to be the mindset is just build off of this. Cameron, before we go, we got to pat ourselves on the back and skip around the room just a little bit real quick because a certain little somebody on our preview pod, we did some over-unders because we're brought to you by betonline.ag here in the Believe in Bears. Did a little over-under on a gentleman named Jimmy Graham, over 2.5 touchdowns. It was in the plus with these odds. Jimmy Graham, and I called it here on this pod that he was going to do it in the first month. Jimmy Graham has three touchdowns as we head into October. We nailed that one, buddy. We nailed that one, and I would say that as long as Nick Foles is the quarterback, we could expect way more Jimmy Graham production. I don't know if you noticed that. The moment 
the way that the way that Mitch Trubisky leans on Allen Robinson, that's how Nick Foles seemed to lean on Jimmy Graham. He was forcing the ball to him, and I think we're going to see a lot more Jimmy Graham touches as the season goes on if Nick Foles is the man back there. Maybe he gets those 800 yards. Yeah, it looked literally like Nick Foles was just pointing to a spot in the field and being like, go sit down there. All right, on this next one, just go sit down there, and we're just going to do this seven yards at a time, me and you, buddy. But it feels good, and honestly, I'm glad that they're going back to it over and over again, but in those short yardage situations where maybe the running game doesn't work out or you do want to do a different look than a run play in the red zone, just the one-two step throw to Jimmy Graham seems to be as good as gold right now. It just seems like a sure thing, and I'm glad that they're continuing to try and hit that because he's, he's great over there. And there are so few sure things with the Chicago Bears right now. We are gonna we're gonna ride that thing into the ground. So way to go, Jimmy Graham. We did it, folks. Cameron, believe in Bears podcast on another win. We just keep picking them right, man. We're on fire right now. What's gonna happen in week four? People are just gonna have to wait and see, but we're gonna see them again later the next week. But dude, take us home on a great pod. A lot happened. You are listening to the Believe in Bears podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Please make sure to like us, subscribe to us, tell your friends, tell your grandma. Hey, grandma, go ahead and tell your friends. And uh, just remember to bear down. You have been listening to the Believe in Bears podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.